Welcome to Tribe Talk, presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By the University of Akron. Visit areyououtthere.com. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Indians in the midst of yet another key homestand down the stretch as they continue to maintain their lead in the American League Central Division heading into the season's final month. The Tribe heading into play on Saturday night was four and a half up on second place Detroit. In the American League Central Division standings, the Royals have slipped a bit as they had dropped three in a row after Friday night, slipping to eight and a half games off the pace. So things starting to open up a little bit for the Indians in terms of other challengers aside from the Tigers, but still a lot of work to do in the month of September with 13 games against both Detroit and Kansas City between now and the end of the season. So a lot to get to on this week's show, including a look back at the week gone by. A good week it has been for the Indians. We will also hear from Tribe reliever Dan Otero, second baseman Jason Kipnis, as well as new relief pitcher Percy Garner. Carter Hawkins will join us for the weekly Farm Report, and we'll get some thoughts on a return to Cleveland for Coco Crisp. That's all coming up as Tribe Talk gets rolling on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend. Great to have you with us for Baseball Talk on the radio with a lot of big baseball weekends coming up here in the month of September now as the Indians try to wrap up an American League Central Division crown. It won't be easy down the stretch with a lot of games remaining. Seven with the Tigers, six with the Royals. They're two prime competitors in the Central Division. But they have been taking care of business against the also-ran in the division, the Minnesota Twins. And then on Friday night, the Miami Marlins in their last foray into interleague play this weekend. We take you back to Monday night, a grinder of the game against Minnesota. Ten innings it went with the Indians and the Twins scoreless through nine. Some key plays early in the game, including at the end of the fifth inning, Rajay Davis showing off some defensive weapons. The 2-2. Swung on, line drive, right center field, base hit. Cut off in the gap by Davis. On his way to seconds, Dozier the throw, and it's in time. Perfect throw by Rajay Davis. Dozier took a chance, and he's gunned down by the Tribe center fielder. Also on the defensive side, Jason Kipnis with an outstanding play in the sixth inning. Payoff pitch. Swung on a high bouncer in the hole. Diving into right, Kipnis. Up throwing, second baseman got him. Bauer raises his hands to the air. What a play by Kipnis. To his left, diving into right to rob Joe Mauer. That's one of the best plays you'll see a second baseman make. That ball was literally by Kipnis as he dove into right field. 
and keeping the game scoreless on the mound, Trevor Bauer. Now the 2-2 offering. Swung on a weak ground ball up the middle. Near second, gloved by Lindor, runs to the bag, shortstop steps on the bag, and Trevor Bauer is outstanding here tonight. The Indians and Twins stay scoreless. We go to the bottom of the sixth. A rare jam took place in the seventh inning for Andrew Miller, but with that great slider, he was able to work out of it. Now the count, two and two. Two outs, Twins at first and third. No score, seventh inning. Miller works third base side of the rubber. The 6-7 lefty lets it fly. Swing and a miss! A slider! That almost hit that foot again of Brian Dozier. And Miller strikes out the side after the Twins had runners at the corners with one out. What a weapon Andrew Miller is. Stretch time at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Cleveland nothing. Minnesota nothing. And that set the stage for some heroics in the 10th inning. Scoreless ball game. Jason Kipnis at the plate. Now the 1-0. Kipnis with a line drive. Base hit. Left center. It'll win the game. Jimenez around third. He crosses home plate. And for the eighth time this year, it's a walk-off celebration. Kipnis backpedaling into the outfield and now being mobbed. He rips a game-winning single up the alley in left center to score Chris Jimenez from second base. And for the Minnesota Twins, how much heartbreak can they take? They've now lost 11 in a row, a season high, and they couldn't play a whole lot better than they did tonight, and it still wasn't enough. And for the Indians, oh my goodness. Did a one nothing win ever look any bigger than this one as the Indians start their 10-game homestand with a 10-inning, one to nothing win over the Minnesota Twins. So the Tribe had a one nothing 10-inning win over Minnesota. They were back at it again against the Twins on Tuesday night. Jason Kipnis would get things going early with the long ball. Now the set in the pitch. Kipnis with a long drive to deep right field. It is gone. Jason Kipnis has hit his 21st home run. And the Indians now trail it 2-1. to one. And every time Kipnis goes deep, it's a new career high in a single season. Tribe still trailing when Rajay Davis came to the plate in the second. Now the pitch. Swung on, blasted, deep left, way out of here. Almost halfway up the bleachers and left, Rajay Davis has tied the game. 4-4 on an absolute three-run bomb to the bleachers and left. So the Indians have come all the way back, and they do it on one swing of the bat. Davis with his 12th home run. 45 RBIs for Rajay Davis. And then it was Frankie Lindor who would put the Indians in front for good in the fourth inning. The pitch to him is swung on, and that's blasted high and deep. Left center field, way back there, and that ball's high off the wall. Extra bases. Davis has scored. Rounding third, heading for home. Kipnis, he slides, and he is out at home plate. The go-ahead run scores in Davis. 
Lindor's at second with a double, but Kipnis is thrown out at home plate for the second out in the inning, but the Indians have taken a 5-4 to four lead. And then in the ninth, it was Andrew Miller to put the finishing touches on a 5-4 win. 5-4, to four, Indians lead the Twins. Twins last hope, Trevor Plouffe, two down in the ninth, the pitch. Swung on, sky ball, left field, deep. Geyer back, on the track, makes the catch, ball game! Andrew Miller with a fist pump into his glove. A broken bat fly ball to the track and left by Trevor Plouffe. But it dies in the glove of Brandon Geyer's. And the Cleveland Indians get another much-needed win. They come from behind to beat the Twins 5-4 to tonight. And tonight, the Indians' bullpen pitches seven and a third shutout innings. Wow! Then it was on to Wednesday. The Indians looking for the sweep of the Twins. They would get things going early. Second inning, Abraham Almonte coming through. Almonte, switch hitter right side, and he swings and rips one down the third baseline. That's a fair ball headed into the corner. Scoring is Napoli. On his way to third is Ramirez. In the second with a slide is Almonte, and the Indians take the lead, 1-0. Abraham Almonte with his 15th double, snuck it in between the third baseman Plouffe and the third base bag. And the Indians have a run on the board, and runners at second and third with two down. Then in the fourth inning, Carlos Santana went deep. 1-1 the score. Carlos Santana, the batter. He swings and launches one high and deep to left center. Bleacher bound. Home run, Santana. And the Indians are back in front, 2-1. to one. Number 28 for Carlos Santana, a new career high. And yes, a career milestone for Santana, his career best 28th home run in a single season, and that continues his record of most home runs in a season franchise-wise by an Indian switch hitter. Then in the fifth inning, Roberto Perez starting to come around at the plate, went into the long ball act himself. Roberto Perez leads it off for the Indians. First pitch swinging, launches one to deep right center. Home run, Roberto Perez. And the Tribe now leads it 3-1. to one. Second home run of the season for Perez. And the Tribe would break things open still in the fifth with Jose Ramirez. Now the set and the 1-0. Swung on, fly ball down the right field line. If it's fair, it's trouble. Fair ball, and it trickles into the corner. One run is in. Here comes Napoli. He scores. Holding at third is Santana. And into second with a two-run double, Jose Ramirez. Indians now lead it 6-1. to one. And with a solid lead, Corey Kluber was on the mound and rolling. Here comes the 1-2 pitch to Sano. Breaking ball, swung on and missed, strike three. Side retired, 11 strikeouts for Corey Kluber, who most likely is done for the night, and he's getting a standing O as he leaves the field. Corey Kluber with a masterpiece tonight. Yes, he's allowed three runs, but he has pitched his team into the eighth inning, gotten through the eighth with a season best of 11 strikeouts. 
In the end, it was Brian Shaw who had finished things up for the Indians. Shaw ready to go. Sets at the belt. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. Strike three. And the Indians win it. They sweep the Twins behind great pitching from Corey Kluber. A big fifth inning. And the Tribe wins it 8-4. to four. So a nice 8-4 to four victory to complete the series sweep of the Twins. Off day Thursday, first time the Indians had had an off day after 23 straight days of baseball. And they performed quite well during that stretch, going 14-9 and nine during those 23 games. On Friday night, the last interleague series of the season began against the Miami Marlins. And the Indians would take command early, already up 4-0 when Abraham Almonte came to the plate in the fifth. The pitch from Kashner swung on, and there's a line drive up the alley right center field. That ball's way back, and it caroms off the wall in right center. One run is in. That's Ramirez right behind him and heading for home and scoring with a headfirst slide is Chisenhall. It's a two-run double for Abraham Almonte, and the Tribe now leads it 6-0. And with that lead, Carlos Carrasco was cruising. Carrasco comes set now the 2-2 to Frank Coor. Swing and a miss. Fastball got him. Ten strikeouts for Carlos Carrasco. His third game this year of double digits and strikeouts. And for Carrasco, second time tonight he has struck out the side. And the Indians maintain a 6-0 lead over the Marlins in the middle of inning number six. And in the end, it was Cody Allen on to finish things off. Now the wind, now the payoff pitch. Swung on, one-hop smash, diving into shallow right. The second baseman, Kipnis, has it, throws over, ball game. Nicely done by Jason Kipnis, and the Indians have won the weekend opener and have won four straight. So the Indians get dominant pitching tonight from Carlos Carrasco, and the Indians take advantage of eight walks. So a 6-2 victory for the Indians on Friday night. Heading into the weekend, the Indians again four and a half games ahead of the Detroit Tigers. Starting play on Saturday, eight and a half now ahead of the Kansas City Royals. Stay with us when we come back. We'll have the farm report with Indians Director of Player Development, Carter Hawkins. That's after this timeout on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland where the Indians head into Saturday's play with a four-and-a-half game lead in the Central Division over the Detroit Tigers. Each week we bring you our farm report with Indians Director of Player Development, Carter Hawkins. This week for the Indians, call-ups from the minor leagues as rosters expanded from 25 to 40 potentially if a team wanted to. Nobody does, but uh, the Indians... In a situation this year with Columbus in the AAA playoffs in the International League and the Indians in the pennant chase leading Detroit heading into the stretch here in the month of September. So as Carter was saying, things a little bit different in terms of September call-ups this year. Yeah, Rosie, I mean, this obviously is a, a different year than, than some of the years past in terms of the context in which we're making some of these September decisions you know, where we're really talking about you know, what we need in order to help our team through a playoff run uh, going into hopefully October here. So 
from that standpoint, um, you know, we're, we're really focused on the specific players that can actually have an opportunity to play and not as much the developmental experiences that perhaps in some of the, the prior years we, we've used some of these September call-ups for. We want guys to be ready if there happens to be a need. There can certainly be call-ups throughout September, not just on September 1st. And in order for these guys to be ready, they need to play. They have a great opportunity to play some really meaningful games right now. Columbus has clinched their division, um, and they are certainly uh, going to have extra baseball here going into to September and hopefully all the way into the end of September. So excited about that team, definitely, and the opportunity that they have, and uh, definitely want to make sure that our guys that potentially are going to help our team out throughout September and into October uh, at the major league level are getting the opportunity to stay fresh for that. One player who will be called up tonight based on the events of last night because the bullpen was used so much during the game last night, making his uh, first appearance on the major league roster is Percy Garner, a relief pitcher who has had a tremendous year. And, and what has Garner done to put himself on the map and, and get himself to the major leagues now for the first time? It's just been a really, really cool story. You know, we've talked about him a little bit before, but you know, he's a guy that was a release out of the Philadelphia Phillies organization a couple of years ago. He was identified by one of our scouts, Mike Kalitri, as a guy that you know, potentially had some, some really good stuff that just hadn't really been able to refine it, hadn't really been able to capture you know, his potential yet. And we brought him into our organization and actually stuck him in extended spring training for a few months. He worked down there with Ken Knudsen, our, our throwing programs coordinator, to really just kind of overhaul his delivery, overhaul his mindset. And you know, to Percy's credit, he just bought in, 100% bought in, and made some significant improvements um, over the course of that time. Went to A-ball in Lynchburg. Grew well there, made some strides. Still, you know, had not quite gotten to where we wanted him to get. Um, we sent him to the Arizona Fall League this off season. Uh, had some really good experiences there, and then, you know, really that foundation just jumped off from it this year. It's just been outstanding. He's got a, a heavy, heavy sinker that guys are swinging over in AAA, um, and we feel like that pitch is going to have a chance to, to really be effective at the major league level as well. And also the fact that he can give us a little bit of length too is not going to hurt. So just really excited for Percy, excited for the guys that have worked with him, excited for the guys that have identified him. It's just a really great scouting and development story. And um, hopefully there's some really fun chapters yet to be written. On the position player front, Yandy Diaz is a name that, that just jumps out. And, and I know he's, he's kind of moved around a little bit on the diamond, but it sounds like wherever he has played position wise, uh, the bat has really carried him, and and uh, the the improvements that he's made this season. What has he done to to set himself up uh, to move forward next year? He's definitely been that guy. The uh, the have bat will travel. Um, you know, he's certainly uh, wherever he's gone. Like you said, he's he's hit, and that you know a lot to be said for that. You know, the thing that Yanni is going to have to do to to really put himself on the major league map and get multiple opportunities is figure out where defensively he's going to be able to play. That versatility, you see how valuable it is for a guy like Jose Ramirez, how valuable it is for a guy like Eric Gonzalez, just in terms of how much flexibility and comfort that brings to a major league staff. So with Yandy, we're moving around on defense here in Columbus. He's playing some outfield, playing some left, playing some right, continues to play some third base. I think that versatility is going to really, really help him out as he continues to gain some, some strength there, gain some comfort there, and continues to swing the bat the way he has. Um, he's absolutely a guy that, that is on that radar and, and hopefully will help us out in Cleveland sooner than later. 
Carter Hawkins joining us, Indians Director of Player Development. And you had some business to take care of this week with your double-A ball club, the Akron Rubber Ducks, and uh, they remain in the fold with the Indians for the foreseeable future. I know you signed a, a nice extension of a player development contract with them, and uh, it just seems like an absolute no-brainer uh, to keep going with Akron. And, and what are some of the things that you've been impressed with in recent seasons that keeps that relationship building? It really is. I mean, uh, from a no-brainer standpoint, you know, Ken Babby and, and his group, you know, since they've come in, they've, they've just really gone over the top and trying to make it a great environment, not only for us as players and, and coaches and staff, but, but for the fans of Akron. And that pays dividends, you know, for our organization. I mean, the, the field is better. They totally redid the surface there. The clubhouse, they've, they've taken care of that. Um, they just really tried to create a good developmental environment for our players. And then for the fans, um, the experience there certainly has, has improved and, and you know, new scoreboard and new in-game entertainment and a rebranding of the team. It just creates an environment overall where, where people, you know, you really want to go to work. And that's the best thing you can say about an affiliate. You, you want guys want to go to work there. And uh, Ken, you know, has done that through effort, not through just luck. And we are really, really appreciative of, of the efforts that they have made. And we're appreciative that they were willing to extend, you know, a full four seasons with us. We're, we're excited about being with them through 2020. Uh, that is great news to be sure for the Indians and uh, I'm sure the fans of Akron. Well, Carter, a, a nice busy week going, and I know uh, playoffs will bring uh, some more busyness for you, but in a great way. And uh, enjoy it as it gets going. We'll catch up with you again next week. Much appreciated, Rosie. Talk to you soon. That's Carter Hawkins, the Indians' director of player development, talking about call-ups and what's been going on at the AAA level at Columbus. Stay tuned. More to come as we continue with Tribe Talk. We'll visit with Dan Otero, Indians reliever, and Tribe second baseman Jason Kipnis. That's all coming up as we continue with Tribe Talk from Progressive Field on the Indians radio network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland, where the Indians are playing the Miami Marlins this weekend. The last trip into interleague play for the Indians late in the season, but at least it's a home series for the Tribe against the National League club so they can keep the designated hitter in order for the weekend. In what is a key series, every series key for the Indians now down the stretch as they began play today, Saturday, with that four-and-a-half game lead over Detroit in the American League Central Division. Big reason why the work of the Tribe bullpen, Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, and Brian Shaw deservedly get most of the notoriety in that pen. But an unsung hero, maybe to the outside world, but certainly not to Indians manager Terry Francona, has been Dan Otero, the right-hander who came over in a, a cash deal with the Phillies during the offseason and uh, not much was thought of at that time, but Otero has become a key figure in that Indians bullpen, working in any role that the Indians put him in, whether it be long relief, trying to get out of a jam late in the ball game. He has that good sinker, so a lot of double play ground balls come his way. And when we caught up with Dan Otero after exchanging pleasantries, he talked about why the success this season so far. Well, thanks for having me on, first of all. Uh, beautiful day out here, too. Uh, no, I mean, anytime you get get going, you want to try to keep that success, but you can't ever get complacent. And like you said, I've had experienced some success in the past, but I've also been in the valleys before and, you know, not going well. So you just try to take pitch to pitch and forget about what you've done, kind of use that to help you, but you're only as good as your next pitch as your next outing. So I try to take that mindset in every game. And you mentioned the valleys at times, and, 
if you just look at at a media guide page, your season last year was a struggle. But Mickey Calloway was saying he really didn't notice that you needed to do much different. Just it might have been one of those years. And can you have those types of seasons in baseball? Yeah, I mean, you definitely have those types of seasons. Uh, you know, it's it's a funny game, and you can make the same pitches ten times and get ten different results, you know, because the hitters are trying to do certain things. Uh, so I try to look at it as one of those seasons, but at the same time, it was a bad season. So I came into this season with a more confident approach to attack hitters, to go back to what I did in 13 and 14, and so far it's been working out. And sometimes fit can make all the difference in the world, and it seems like you're in a great spot here, especially usage-wise. And as the season's gone along, has that been a real key factor for you, the way you've been used? Yeah, I mean, I don't look at it that way either. Beginning of the season, nobody kind of knew their roles, and that's the way it is with every team. So every time the phone rang, I expected it to be my name called, and that's the way I still look at it. You always want to be prepared. Uh, you never want to get settled into a role mindset because you, then that day you may be using a different role, you know, however the manager's thinking. You never know when the big outs are needed or when they may need you to fill up two or three innings. You just never know. So you, I don't like going in with a preconceived notion of when I might pitch. I just kind of get down there, be ready for pitch one, and see what happens. And a lot of times you come on mid-inning, runners on base to try and get a, a key ground ball. Uh, do you enjoy that as much as anything else in this game? I do. I take a lot of pride in that and uh, trying to get out of get out of jams. And I hate it when I let inherited runners score. Hate it. Uh, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. So anytime I come on with somebody else's runners, I try to get out of there as quickly as possible. And obviously I've been fortunate the last couple of times to get those double play balls. And, you know, it's a testament to our defense also. They, they made some good turns. And as you mentioned, a beautiful day here, another day in the pennant race. Did you have uh, any say in the musical selection here this afternoon? No, I never do. I stay, I stay out of the music selections. <laughs> All right, Danny, thanks for coming by. Appreciate it. All right, no problem. Thanks, Rosie. That's Dan Otero, who has had quite a season out of the bullpen for the Indians, a big reason why that bullpen has really come on, especially of late. Now, on the offensive side of things, a consistent year it has been for Jason Kipnis, the Indian second baseman, already with a career high in home runs at 21, and he hasn't had that roller coaster season in terms of one or two spectacular months and then some months where he was trying to find it along the way. He's been extremely consistent, really, from the get-go this season. And, uh, well, we caught up with Jason earlier this week right after batting practice prior to a game against the Twins. And uh, before we got to the meat and potatoes with Jason Kipnis, always good to find out how batting practice went for him. <laughs> BB was good. It's another another opportunity for us to just have some fun and a gorgeous day out here today and uh, work on our craft. Right, now to the good stuff last night, game-winning base hit. Uh, a grinder of a game. And... I'm going to guess there'll be a few of those down the stretch. And and when you look back on it, important to get back here in this building where they seem to have a a lot of confidence in those types of games, especially lately? It is, because you always want to be at home. You always want to have the last at-bats no matter what. Um, But the grinder of the game, that's going to happen. And these are tough games that we need to pull out where we have to really be sharp because it might just be one mistake cost the whole game. And uh, I thought everyone was all in on the game. And uh, pitching staff, defense did their part. And then... Uh, took a while, but offense finally got the job done. You've been pretty outspoken here throughout the ups and downs of the season that that's the baseball season. And uh, where does that come from, and how long has it taken you to, to develop that attitude and, and help your teammates along with that? Well, it comes from the experience I've gotten over not only my seasons that I've had in the past, but the team's uh, success and failures in the past, too, where uh, the, I've seen 
teams go on like our 14 game win streak i've seen teams go and have like a five win month uh there's always chances to get back into the picture we could take one run for a team to do whatever they want and uh the way it's it's going to be a fun september we know that and we're in a good position for it too right now all right kip thanks for the time thank you that's indian second baseman jason kipnis and uh, you may be able to tell he's been really content with his season he worked awfully hard in the off season has kept his routines going during the season and it has paid off in his most consistent campaign in his major league career Stay with us. When we come back, we will hear from a couple of new Cleveland Indians, including recently acquired Coco Crisp, and then just up from the minor leagues, Ohio product from Dover, Ohio, Percy Garner, relief pitcher for the Tribe. That's coming your way shortly on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Indians taking on the Miami Marlins this weekend. This is our final segment, and the Indians have added some players over the weekend with September call-ups and the addition of Coco Crisp, a former Cleveland Indian, added via trade with the Oakland Athletics just prior to the deadline to be eligible for postseason play with the Tribe. Crisp originally broke into the major leagues with the Indians back in 2002, had arguably his finest major league season in 2005 with the Tribe, but since that time, he's been with several different ball clubs, including Boston for a World Series championship with current Indians manager Terry Francona, and most recently, a pretty good run with some very good Oakland teams until the last couple of seasons. It's been a tough go in Oakland this year, and they made him available. The Tribe able to swing a deal earlier this week to bring Coco Crisp back to the Indians and fill a role in that outfield, what that role may be. Coco was saying on Friday, not sure, but he's willing to do whatever the club needs. Feels good. Uh, I thought it was going to be a little weird because this is the first time I've had a midseason trade. I've been involved in one of those, so I thought it was going to be a little weird, but coming back here just bring back, brings back old memories and uh, good memories, so I'm excited. What do you see a role on this team as? Just stay out the way. <laughs> uh, just try to do whatever they ask me to do, basically. Um, coming in here and just trying to help out if there's some advice that I can give. Um, being around the game as long as I've been around the game. I'll try to give the appropriate advice for the appropriate situation. And, um, you know, they call upon me to go out there and play, just give 100% like I've always done, and, and try to help out. Did you think uh, a trade was coming here at some time? Uh, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Um, it's after the trade deadline, and you never know what's going to happen. Uh, with Billy over there, he's always willing and dealing. So, um, you know, but you know, to answer your question, I, you know, it caught me off guard. I didn't know I was going to be in any type of trade coming up, but I'm glad it happened. I'm excited to be here. That's Coco Crisp, Indians outfielder who could have a prominent role here down the stretch, especially with Abraham Almonte ineligible for postseason play. Percy Garner is a new pitcher for the Indians who was called up Wednesday in time for that night's game and made his major league debut Wednesday night against the Twins. Had an up-and-down inning, wasn't able to finish the ball game with a large lead, but certainly a big night for that young man from Dover, Ohio, where he was an outstanding high school quarterback. In fact, went to Ball State to play quarterback 
for the Ball State Cardinals and eventually switched to baseball full-time, was drafted originally by the Phillies, released by the Phillies, and about a year and a half ago, the Indians picked him up. And uh, as Carter Hawkins had said earlier in our show, they saw something there in him, made some subtle adjustments to his delivery, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history, as he was throwing 98 with sink in his major league debut on Wednesday night. We had a chance to catch up with Percy on uh, Friday and talk to him about that major league debut and if he had come back down from the the high that is a big moment in his life athletically for sure and uh, he said yep getting there but uh, it may take a little bit yeah I've uh, come down a little bit but I mean it's still I mean being able to walk in the clubhouse it's still like man I'm really an Indian so I mean it might it might take a while to set in still um I'm kind of letting it go really slow and, and trying to soak it all in and enjoy it. And for fans who don't know, you grew up in Dover, Ohio. As a Tribe fan, you're drafted by the Phillies. Did you ever think things would work out this way where, where eventually when you made the major leagues it would be here? Oh, no. I Once I got drafted by the Phillies, I had my eyes set on you know, being in Philadelphia and trying to gain the trust of the fans in Philly and you know the, the staff and the, for the Phillies. But, I mean, you know, God gives you opportunities and Different situations come up, and, I mean, I'm glad to be an Indian. And how big an Indians fan were you growing up? Well, uh, baseball wasn't my first sport growing up, but I've probably out of sporting events, it's between the Cavs and Indians where I've been to either maybe one or two more Cavs games than Indians, but I knew everybody on the roster. I even knew Travis Fryman because a lot of the, the younger guys don't know, and I was like, when I got signed by the Indians, I was excited to meet Travis, and they were like, why are you so excited to meet Travis Fryman? I'm like, you guys don't know. Like, I'm older than a lot of you guys, so <laughs> I watched him growing up. It was good to meet him. Percy Garner joining us, a new Indians pitcher, and, and you get a chance to pitch the other night. And uh, what was that like for you in terms of, of trying to, to keep your nerves about you and everything else that goes with a major league debut? Well, everybody in the clubhouse and the staff here is, they really helped me along. Like, it would have been a lot more of a stress or ner- more nervous situation if, you know, you had different a different clubhouse makeup and a different manager than Tito because Tito really, you know, settled me down. And uh, just everyone, it was a collective group. And the bullpen guys, you know, talking to me and just, like, helping with certain situations. So it wasn't as bad as I anticipated because of the help uh, from the people. And, and we see the, the end result, you reaching the major leagues. But I know for you it was a, a long road. You're released by the Phillies. What's been different since joining the Indians organization not that long ago, really? Um, there's, there's not too much differences. Uh, I would say the Indians kind of just let me do my mechanics that I feel comfortable doing, and and they kind of instilled in the, the intent to throw hard and let the ball, like, let it go. Don't hold anything back. And I think the combination of those two kind of really – helped me with my command and repeating my commandics, uh, mechanics and being able to throw strikes and attack hitters. And you come up here during a pennant chase, the team with a great opportunity here to win a division. Uh, I imagine any time you get to the major leagues doesn't matter. That's a great thing. But you come up here with a, a ball club that's playing well, and, and does that make it that much more special for you, especially growing up as someone who followed this team? Uh, it definitely does, just because it's not one of those situations where you're auditioning and trying to just, you know, get some experience in the big leagues. Like, you still ha- you got to win. you got to go out there and compete. And you got to show the, your teammates that you want to win, and you're not just here to, you know, get time and and just you know you want to you want to obviously you want to have fun and experience uh, all the like the stuff that the perks that come with the big leagues, but the main thing is winning, and I think that 
that helps with, you know, coming up for your debut. And the pressure is, you know, you still got to compete and win. So you're not really thinking about a lot of the other things that might distract you. And you're up here at a time where the high school football season has begun. You can be as humble as you want about this, but how is Percy Garner as a high school football player down in Dover, Ohio? Well, they, I would, I would like to give a lot of my success to the offense that we ran in high school. It's kind of hard to, you know, to guard five receivers because we ran five wide. No, run, no running backs in the backfield with me. It was just me and five receivers. So it was very fun, and I'm sure a lot of high school quarterbacks envied uh, that type of offense. Well, great to see you up here. Uh, continued success. Thanks. Thank you. That's Percy Garner, now in the Indians' bullpen and will be throughout the month of September, providing some good depth for the Tribe Pen during this key stretch in the Indian season. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us, and uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week when the Indians are on the road. They'll be in Minneapolis next week taking on the Minnesota Twins. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network.